recording this, I think. Yeah, I am recording this. Um, and I'll put it on my website. A number of people asked me, you know, if I was going to be preaching this week, and I said no, but if I get a chance to preach in prison, I would record it. And it's not every sermon, at least I preach on the outside, where we ever have to pause for count. So that was kind of, kind of cool, not for you, not for us, or not for you guys, but it was kind of cool for us. So anybody listening to this message way out there in internet land, we're at uh, Camp C at Louisiana State Penitentiary, Angola, Louisiana. We are here tonight with a bunch of really great looking guys and a few good looking gals. And uh, as I said at the beginning, uh, we just honor Freddie. We love him and we think he does a great job. That's one thing I want to tell you. The second thing is I kind of halfway apologize to my wife because this message I was planning to preach in two weeks, which means she has to listen to it at least two more. Well, she, she'll only show up at one service, so maybe she'll have to listen to it one more time. That's the other thing. Number three, I would tell you, is that this is kind of a church sermon as opposed to a inmate's sermon. And it's for outside people, so I'm going to have to clean up some language tonight. And if I stutter and stammer around a little bit, it's because I'm kind of taking the outside out of it, putting the inside in it. Does that make any sense at all? I don't know if that makes any sense at all. Uh, probably not. I don't make much sense at all. Um, i also tell you that I'm fitting into a series of messages that is being preached at Praise and Worship Church in Branson, Missouri, which is where I currently live. And uh, Pastor Mark there uh, said you can fit in. And for two Sundays in a row, we're going to talk about our vertical relationship with God and then our horizontal relationship with people. And so he said, would you take the vertical relationship with God and talk about it? And when I looked at the text that he gave me, it's really only one verse, and it fits in, Freddie, with what you were saying, that you guys are going to talk about the next week, which is the Sabbath. And that's Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse, um, let's see, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Then it goes on, six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gate. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in it, and rested on the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Now, that is what's commonly known as the third commandment. The first one, you'll have no other gods ahead of me. Second one, be careful what you do with the Lord's name. And now it comes up to the third commandment. And a couple of observations, I want to make three observations, because this is less of a sermon than tonight is going to be teaching you something about the Sabbath. But three observations. Number one, this commandment, the third one, is the longest of the Ten Commandments. I mean, it covers several verses. A lot of you uh, have no other gods before me. It just moves right on. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not sin. But this is the longest one. It is also, I would suggest to you, is one of the most difficult commandments to interpret. And third of all, it for some reason remains a source of perennial interest. People are always wondering, what about this Sabbath? Are we really observing the Sabbath? What is the Sabbath? How do we do the Sabbath? Does the Sabbath even count anymore? I'm not an Old Testament Jew. Why are we talking about the Sabbath? All kinds of stuff like that. 
In fact, as I was doing some study, I read some issues of Christianity Today. In Christianity Today, the editors asked readers to rate the importance of a series of religious and theological issues. The editors were surprised to find out that the number one issue people had was, quote, should Christians take the Lord's Day observance more seriously? Isn't that interesting? That kind of surprised me. That that would be the number one issue people, you know, so-called free people are worried about. Now, I was surprised because no one, and I would say maybe hardly anyone, has ever raised the Lord's Day issue with me and I've been a pastor for 30, over 30 years at five different churches. I can only think of a handful of people that have ever been concerned about Sunday worship or what we sometimes call the Sabbath worship. In my experience, the whole discussion of the Sabbath day is a dead issue. That's from my perspective. Now, I'm not saying to you, Freddie, scrap it because it's a dead issue. Yet on another level, I understand this survey because some of us feel maybe a little bit guilty about how we spend our Sundays, even to this day. Even though here in prison, people worship on just about every every day you can possibly think about. And when we read, you know, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, we kind of start getting a little bit worried. Uh, we start, uh, most of us maybe aren't too clear about what we're supposed to remember. Remember the Sabbath, what, 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 remember what? And um, and exactly how do we keep this day holy or separate? And sometimes you can feel a little bit guilty about not being there on your day of worship. Now, maybe many of you here today were raised in communities like I was that had strict rules about Sunday behavior. The town I grew up in, Nebraska, was kind of that way. Uh, there are some of you maybe grew up in places where they used to have these blue laws, you know, where they governed what happened on Sunday or the Sabbath day. That meant on Sunday, the grocery stores were closed, the gas stations were closed, uh, department stores, hardware stores, all that stuff was closed. If you needed anything on Sunday, guess what? You had to wait till Monday. A number of years ago, we were in Seward, Nebraska, we were walking around the town and grew up in, and we were looking for some place to get a, a cold drink. Not a single place open, although I think it was Easter, <laughs> which would halfway explain. But because of that, a lot of people approached the third commandment with a mixture of guilt and kind of a vague unease. They sensed somehow that uh, Sunday ought to be different, but how and why who sets the rules? Now, if I had my video here and I put a picture up, I would show you an Andy Cap cartoon. I don't know if you're familiar with who Andy Cap is. Uh, but Andy had been out fishing, if you can kind of picture it. He'd been out fishing, and on his way home, he stopped at the supermarket, and he bought an armload of fish. And as he's leaving, to the, leaving the store, he said to the owner, he said, I'm going to stand here, would you throw these fish to me? So I can truthfully say I caught them. Now the last frame in that cartoon shows Andy contentedly walking home with the fish under his arm and saying to himself, I always like to tell the truth on Sunday. Now that's what the, command, the third commandment sometimes does to us if we are captivated by this one day. 
it, it makes us say and do funny things. We kind of feel guilty because we don't really know what this means. Or perhaps we actually do know what it means, but we don't know how it applies to us. So as we uh, approach this commandment, I think it helps to, to face three major difficulties when you're going to talk about the Sabbath. Uh, that's a significant fact when you, when you uh, deal with this, uh, because these, um, these difficulties are not equally important, yet they kind of function on different levels. So let me give you a few difficulties. Difficulty one is, this is the only commandment that is not repeated in the New Testament. Now, you can make of that what you want. Uh, There's a significant fact when you consider the other nine of them are all repeated in the New Testament. Therefore, we know that nine out of ten of the commandments are clearly still in force today because they are specifically mentioned in the New Testament. But what about this third commandment? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Why isn't it repeated in the New Testament? And what does that suggest to us? Now, here's difficulty number two. The church has historically worshipped on what day? Sunday. Now, while there have been a few exceptions throughout church history, uh, most Christians still worship on Sunday. I will tell you that on the outside, there has always been a disturbance when people said, well, we can't make it on Sunday, can we have worship on Saturday night? Or sometimes they move it to another day. Well, we've kind of gotten past that point. And as a result, many people assume that the Christian observance of Sunday equals the Old Testament observance of the Sabbath day. Now, here's difficulty number three. We are now facing the fading tradition of a Sunday as a holy or sacred day. I think we're losing the meaning of what it means to have a Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, while we're free to debate this uh, many reasons, I, I don't think anyone can debate the conclusion that worshiping only on Sunday is kind of a fading observance in American Christianity. One writer I, I looked at said, our great-grandparents called it the Holy Sabbath. Our grandparents called it the Sabbath. Our parents called it Sunday. We now call it the weekend. That's just the way it is. Now, let's be honest. Many of us think nothing of, and I would say this to the people I'm preaching to a couple of weeks, a lot of the people that are going to hear me think nothing of skipping Sunday services. A lot of people probably think nothing of skipping Wednesday night either or the other regular worship times. I mean, particularly if something better comes up. I mean, when you have Monday night football and your church service is scheduled for Monday night and you got a choice between watching my beloved Dallas Cowboys beat, beat up on your... You can fill in the blank. <laughs> I'm not getting in trouble down here in Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. Dak and Zach. Here we go. There we, there we go. Now, um, you know, if we got tickets to a game, if we got stuff to watch, if we spend a week, where we live in Branson, we can spend a weekend on the lake, we go out to Table Rock or Tanny Como or down to Bull Shoals or whatever. Our problem is not that we go or that we don't go. Our problem sometimes is that it doesn't even bother us anymore that we don't observe what we would call a Sabbath day. It is no wonder that people get confused and why you would actually, people would want to say, let's talk about it. What does this all mean? I mean, how does this work? And I, 
I may be confusing everything you're going to do for for the next number of weeks. I don't know if it'll be for you to unravel this mess. But most of us uh, secretly think the third commandment should be paraphrased as follows. Thou shalt not enjoy life on Sunday. I was kind of raised that way. You're not doing anything enjoyable today. And then, being modern, we go ahead and we enjoy it anyway and end up feeling kind of guilty. But if you want more confusion, I would say just ask any pastor about the third commandment. And lo and behold, preachers don't even really agree what it means to keep the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. I mean, for 2,000 years... Down to this very day, there are three conflicting viewpoints. Uh, they've existed about the third commandment and its application to the Christian. So let me, let me share with these conflicting viewpoints. Here's number one. It's the Seventh-day Adventist view. Now, I don't know if we got any Seventh-day Adventists in here. I don't intend to offend you. I probably, I may, I don't know. I, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Uh, you know, this view suggests that Christians should always observe Saturday as the Sabbath. Now, I know we've got a Seventh-day Adventist fellowship in prison, and I'm pretty sure that they observe that pretty faithfully. Consequently, Seventh-day Adventists go to church on Saturday morning. For them, Saturday is like our, I guess, our Sunday. And now, this view actually has the advantage of... Uh, of taking the Sabbath day commandment seriously. They argue, and, and I'd say they argue rightly so, that the Sabbath has always been on Saturday and that there's no scriptural evidence that the Sabbath ever changed to Sunday. I mean, such a view uh, kind of preserves the integrity of the Ten Commandments and offers kind of a, a consistent principle of interpretation. But I'm also tell you, I think it fails, however, because there, there's quite simply no New Testament evidence and I'd underline it. I, I've spent a lot of time looking. There is no evidence in the New Testament to suggest that Christians felt obligated to meet on Saturday for worship. Now, the early Jewish Christians certainly continued to worship on Saturday. But that changed when the church became what? Predominantly Gentile. When Pentecost happened and the church exploded all over the place and suddenly these Gentiles, these outcasts, and these women showed up in our church, things changed. I should also add that the nearly unanimous testimony of the Christian church has always been against the Seventh-day Adventist view. Now, I, I think the view fails because it doesn't properly distinguish between law and grace. And that's a very key issue. In fact, it mixes the Old Testament law with the New Testament principle of the grace of God. And we don't want to put a work into our salvation. Now, here's conflicting view number two. The Christian Sabbath view. Now, this view suggests that Sunday has somehow replaced Saturday as the official day. And this means nothing to you guys because, I mean, how many, I wonder how many church services there are in Angola that are actually on a Sunday morning. We were at one Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and they'll just keep on rolling all the way down the road. I think the church we were at last night was a leadership time, and their worship, I think, was Saturday morning. They must be semi-Adventist. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so. Now, most of us were probably raised with some view of honoring Sunday 
as our Sabbath day, and we were to make it holy, although we weren't really sure what that meant to us. It, it has several strengths. First of all, the Christian Sabbath recognizes the legitimacy of the third commandment. I am not arguing against the third commandment. The third commandment is there. God said it. It's our responsibility to follow it. But we need to understand what he means when he says keep the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath and what it means to keep it holy. I think it also recognizes the crucial importance of the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah. Now, there are some problems with this view because the most important one is this. Sunday is never called the Sabbath day in the New Testament. I looked that one up too. You don't find Sunday being the Sabbath. In fact, in the Bible, the weekly Sabbath is always Saturday, never on Sunday. I'm going to repeat that. There is no evidence whatsoever that the Sabbath was ever changed in either testament. It, while it's true that the early church began worshiping on the first day of the week, there's no evidence that they ever called Sunday the Sabbath day. It's indeed true that a change was made from Saturday to Sunday, but that change did not involve changing the Sabbath day. The Sabbath, for many people, remained on Saturday. The Christian day of worship became Sunday. And kind of to, to um, go... Otherwise, it's time to go beyond the New Testament and confuse Jewish worship with Christian worship. And when you begin to do that, you are confusing law and grace one more time. And to go one step further, I'd suggest that the Christian Sabbath view directly contradicts a couple of Bible passages. We've been teaching connections all week. I'm not going to read these to you. If, you, if you're listening and you're paying attention at all, it directly contradicts um, a couple of, of, of Bible verses, which is Galatians 4, verses 9 and 10, and Colossians 2, 17, which clearly seem to teach that the Sabbath was always on a Saturday. So here's conflicting viewpoint number three that you have to sort through, and that is the abiding principle view. Now, this view suggests that the Christian era, that all days are alike to God. Since there is no stipulated day of worship, we voluntarily set aside a day, and many people choose Sunday as the Christian day of worship, because we want to honor what? Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Now, first of all, this view suggests that Sunday can never be the Christian Sabbath, because the Sabbath was specifically given to the nation of Israel as a sign of a special relationship between God and his people. See, to Israel, the Sabbath was clearly to be a reminder of the great work that God had done, had done, past. The Sabbath was given to a particular group of people, Israel, at a particular place, Mount Sinai, at a particular time, at the birth of a nation, for a particular purpose, and that was to remind them of creation and of the covenant. Now, second of all, this view uh, argues the switch to Sunday was a voluntary change which happened to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and, and as a natural consequence, the church became predominantly Gentile. you got to switch. Now, you can look up in the Bible and see that all four Gospels record the resurrection of Jesus when? On Sunday. Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20, all say 
Jesus rose from the dead on a Sunday. Uh, and of the nine, Pente- the nine post-Pentecost references that you can find to the Sabbath day, eight of them refer to the Jewish Sabbath, which Paul observed for evangelistic purposes. The ninth one, though, says Christians have liberty from the Sabbath law. That's an interesting one. The New Testament nowhere commands believers to worship on the Sabbath. In fact, the New Testament seems to be open that any day is proper. That's Romans chapter 14, verses 5 and 6. You can hunt that one up a little bit later. Uh, Several other references imply New Testament worship on the first day of the week. Acts 20, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 16, Revelation 1.10. And believers are explicitly freed from observing the Sabbath in Galatians 4, Colossians 2. See, the clear testimony of church history as you study it is that the early church probably did worship on Sunday. I mean, Ignatius, the Didache, uh, Barnabas, all these people, they say that. Now, here's my summary. Now that I got you thoroughly confused. Okay? The early church voluntarily switched from Saturday to Sunday to commemorate the resurrection of Jesus. The New Testament (coughs) frees believers from the Sabbath and prescribes no set day for worship. Now we're going to draw four preliminary conclusions and hopefully make a point here. The last thing I want to do is have a pointless sermon or pointless teaching. One of them is Sunday is not the Sabbath day. Let's understand that. Sunday is not the Sabbath day. Two, the early Christians worshipped on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Third, most of our Sunday taboos are based on tradition and not on anything you could find in the biblical narrative. And fourth, the, the New Testament narrative says nothing about what you should or should not do on a Sunday. Now, in Jesus' day the rabbis had a list of 1,521 things you couldn't do on the Sabbath day. The list including killing a flea that landed on you, that landed on your arm. Now, if you think that's only Jews who had that, uh, in Scotland in the 1600s, a man was arrested for smiling on the Sabbath day. The great uh, evangelistic preacher Jonathan Edwards resolved never to tell a funny story on the Sabbath day. The very first train to run on Sunday was met in Glasgow, Scotland by an enraged group of pastors who told the pastors that if they got on the train on Sunday, the train was going straight to hell. Now you can find stories like that on and on and on. Now, here's the stunning fact. There are are absolutely no directions, none, none whatsoever, given in the New Testament about how Christians are to observe Sunday. And therein lies the difference between the Sabbath and Sunday. The Sabbath was given as a matter of law. Sunday is a day of grace. The Sabbath remembers creation. Sunday celebrates recreation. The Sabbath was a social force for a nation. Sunday is an individual day given to each Christian to celebrate 
as he or she sees fit. The Sabbath was governed by all kinds of rules and regulations. Sunday has no rules whatsoever. See, we voluntarily select our worship times because Jesus, well, we say Sunday because Jesus rose on the first day of the week. So I just say, don't let anyone make you feel bad about any time that you worship. Just don't let them confuse you as to what the Sabbath is really all about. Now, with all of that being said, there's another little side here, believe it or not. So far, it would seem that there's no valid use for the third commandment. Um, in fact, it might even seem that we ought to be talking about nine commandments instead of ten, but we're not. Uh, you can't take the third off the list. Uh, we're not about to drop any. We are forbidden to do that. Now, I've been arguing that the third commandment was specifically given to the nation of Israel as a sign of its special relationship with God. That much is certainly true. But it's also true that the concept of the Sabbath goes all the way back, here's the connection, Miss Gizegi, to Genesis chapter 2, where it says in verses 1 to 3, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. By the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing, so on the seventh day he sabbated. He rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he Sabbath, he rested from all the work of creating he'd done. Now, I hope you notice the divine pattern in those verses. Work comes first, followed by rest. Work, rest, work, rest. That's the divine pattern for life. Now, it seems to be that Genesis 2 contains an important principle that transcends the law. God established a certain rhythm of life, and man is not meant to work forever, forever without a rest. And some of you are probably saying, well, Doc, can you talk to people here and have them not work a seven days a week? Uh, I can try. <laughs> but see, God ordered the universe from the very beginning so that, like the sounding of a clock, every seven days, man would stop and rest and relax and gain a certain amount of perspective. Now, that's not only a spiritual principle, it's an emotional and a physical principle. We need a day of rest. We need a break. We need a change of pace. And that, it seems to me, is the enduring principle which is picked up by the third commandment and called the Sabbath. See, the legal requirement of the Sabbath is gone. We no longer live under the law. We, but the enduring principle of that Sabbath still endures, which is we need a day or time of rest because God made us that way. Now, it's significant back during the French Revolution, the authorities abolished Sunday as a day of rest and attempted to go with a 10-day work week. Figure that one out. A 10-day work week. I thought a week was only seven days, but they did a ten, it was 10 days in a row. It failed because the French people rebelled, uh, and they had to revert to the traditional ordering of the week. But see, God knew what was going on when he rested on the seventh day. Now, was God tired? No, God wasn't tired. He's God. But what he was doing is he was establishing a universal pattern for you and me. 
We wear out and we break down unless we have a day of rest. I know that when I preach, my wife sometimes says, oh, shouldn't we invite all the congregation over after we can have a pot roast and potatoes and everything? And I go, oh, God forbid. (laughs) Reason being, I spent all morning preaching and teaching and doing everything. I go home. You know what I need to do? I need a snack and a nap. You do wear out. See, God knew what he was doing when he rested on the seventh day. Now, here's an amazing insight. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath was not, was not primarily a day of worship. It was primarily a day of rest and relaxation. And with that in mind, we can state an abiding principle of the third commandment. It would be this. We give one day in seven to God because seven of seven belong to Him. I don't know if you got that. We give one day in seven to God because seven out of seven belong to Him. Now, if you think about it in that light, the third commandment is extremely relevant today. If you think I'm, I'm trying to get rid of the Sabbath and all these kind of things, I'm not. We don't keep a Sabbath in the Old Testament sense. Yes, we desperately need a weekly Sabbath. We do. And if we don't observe one, I'll tell you, you're going to crash and burn sooner or later. So God says, remember the Sabbath day. So let's ask the question, why should we remember it? Well, it's because we tend to forget so easily. Second, because we live self-centered lives. We're worried about ourselves. Because we tend to forget our own mortality. I mean, some people live like they think they're going to live forever. Sometimes it's because our work would soon control us otherwise. And because the Sabbath day reminds us that there's more to life than a paycheck. It's because families need time to come together. It's because it's easy to crowd God out of our life by being way too busy. See, in a very real sense, the third commandment is God's maintenance commandment. It's his maintenance commandment. It's his way of saying, friend, if you don't slow down, you're going to kill yourself. The Sabbath was never meant to be a burden on anybody. The Sabbath was originally God's gift to humanity. Now, the Sabbath is meant to take us back to the Garden of Eden. There's another connection. Back to the way life was meant to be. I mean, for six days... You know, on the Sabbath, we're set free from deadlines and demands and projects and payrolls and memos and timelines and all the rest. And on whatever holy or sacred day you sabbat or Sabbath, we remember what is the most important thing that we do. See, for six days, we can be judged on our performance. But for one day out of seven, guess what? We are not judged at all because we are abiding by God's principle to take a Sabbath day's rest. Now, this week, I, 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 when I wrote this sermon, I read about a man who said, I was born a man, but I will die a butcher. Well, a lot of us would probably say much the same thing. I was born a man, but I'm going to die a doctor. Or I was born a woman, but I'm going to die a superintendent of schools. Or I was born a man, but I'm going to die a coach. Or I was born a woman, but I, I, I'm going to die a grandmother. Or I was born a man, but I'm going to die a steel worker. Or I was born a woman, but I'm going to 
do this, or I was born a man, but I'm going to die an inmate. Kind of to bring it all the way around. And you think about it, how sad that is. Somewhere along the way, we have lost our humanity in the pursuit of life. The Sabbath says, stop. It says, remember. It says, think. It says, reflect. You are more than a teacher. You're more than a coach. You're more than a doctor. You're more than an inmate. You're more than a, a chaplain's clerk. You are, you are more than what this world says you are. You are a man. You are a woman. And you are made in the image of God. That's how you were born. And that is how you are going to die. See, friends, we need the Sabbath. God knew that we could not really survive without it. Now, I've got great empathy with you guys because prison oftentimes doesn't give you a regular rhythm of life. Now, there is a rhythm in prison, that's for sure. But I don't know very often that anybody's going to say, okay, you guys, we're only going to have you responsible for something six days and the seventh day you can just sabbat. You can rest. You can take a Sabbath. But you do can carve those times out. You do. This is a Sabbath day's rest right here. This is a Sabbath rest right here. So where does this leave us? Well, no set day of worship is ordered for us. Worship any day you want. Worship every day if you want. We meet sometimes on Sunday because we just want to honor the resurrection of Jesus. And if that's true, I wish more churches who worship on Sunday would actually celebrate on Jesus. Gosh, I hate going to church on Sunday morning and think I'd gone to a funeral. Man, I know Jesus died, but get him out of the grave for heaven's sakes before the sermon is over. You know, no list of do's or don'ts is given in the New Testament. Folks, don't make up rules about how to keep the Sabbath and to keep it holy. We need a weekly Sabbath just to restore our perspective. I don't know, I'm going to need Thursday and Friday and part of Saturday to recuperate from being down here. I'm preaching this Sunday, thankfully on another text than this one. And my wife probably knows that I'm going to drive all day tomorrow to Dallas-Fort Worth, but I may be the first one in bed on Thursday night, and I may be the last one up in the morning. I need to have it. Miss Cheryl's got two days, but I bet when she gets home, she basically crashes and burns until she has to start her job again on Tuesday. We give God one day in seven, because seven out of seven belong to Him. Now, one question remains. If Sunday is the Christian day of worship... How should we observe it? Kind of talked about the Sabbath. How do we keep it holy? Now, holy hagios, set apart, set apart. How do we do that? Well, for ancient Israel, the Sabbath meant resting from the rigors of agrarian life, the farm life. For modern Americans, it probably means getting some exercise. Um, Use the day to relax. Use the day to unwind. Uh, Go for a walk out in the yard, uh, read a book, uh, watch a movie, uh, enjoy uh, sitting down and playing cards with your friends, uh, go out and shoot some hoops, or 
um, play some games or have fun, whatever it helps to, to unwind, do it. And don't feel guilty about it. Nothing wrong with doing nothing. I get asked quite often, what are you doing? Well, the answer is nothing. <laughs> do you think you ought to be doing something? I'm not really good at doing something right now. I've been really good at doing nothing. A second section is just celebrate the resurrection with other believers. I mean, do I simply mean go to church? No. I mean, too many people go to church. I'm suggesting that whenever you choose to worship ought to be the high day of the week. You ought to to look forward to this because it is part of your Sabbath rest in a way. It ought to be a day that you look forward to all week long. It really should. I mean, Sunday ought to be the best day of the week. Your worship day ought to be the best day of the week because it's the day when you throw away all of the mundane cares that you drag in from out on the walks, out in those dorms, the vexing problems, and you focus on the greatest miracle ever done in history, the resurrection of Jesus. That's why when you get together and worship, you ought to sing, you ought to laugh, you ought to clap, you ought to celebrate, you ought to rejoice. I tell you, there is nothing worse than seeing people in church who look like they were baptized in vinegar. <laughs> when I was a high school teacher, I'd walk down the hallways, and there was one girl, her name was Kathy Zipboy, and she used to say, good, mid- good morning, Mr. Kolb, how are you? And I'd say, I'm fine. And she'd say, you ought to let your face know about it. <laughs> Jolly up. I mean, Jesus is risen. Here's my suggestion number three, and, and that is as best as you can. I mean, I'm going to say this to church people, and I know it's going to be a little hard for you, but part of the advice I give to church people is focus on your family. That sounds familiar in a way. Take time to play with your kids. Um, call your parents. Call your moms and dads, your aunts and uncles. You know, those kinds of things. Um, all of those kinds of things you do. Let, let, let Sunday or when you worship be a, a holy and happy day and use it to strengthen relationships with other people as best as you can. Here's my suggestion for, and that's do a good deed. Yeah, I was a Boy Scout at one time. Do a good deed every day. That takes us back to Jesus. Here's another connection, Matthew 12, 12, who rebuked the Pharisees because they criticized the man for pulling his sheep out of a ditch on the Sabbath. But if he left the sheep there, that sheep would have died. This is what Jesus said. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Well, how can we do good on our Sabbath day? I thought you said we were to rest. Yeah, you do. Let me suggest a few things you could do. Go visit somebody who's sick. Spend a little time with it. Phone a discouraged friend. Um, Share the gospel with the person that's in the rack across from you that you know has never darkened the doorways. Write a letter to your favorite Bible teachers at the seminar. Give an offering to your fellowship. I I don't know. The willing heart will find a thousand ways to do good. See, the end of the matter is this. For the Christian, 
every day is Sunday. For the Christian, the Sabbath is just part of it. All seven days belong to the Lord. And we are not required to give God one day out of seven. But God has made it so that we need a break, a change, a time to enjoy life. I mean, Ecclesiastes says there is a time for everything, every purpose under heaven, including taking time for God. And that's the abiding, unchanging spirit of the third commandment. See, someone has said it this way. Before Jesus, men worked all week and then rested on Saturday. They worked to earn their rest. Now that Jesus has risen from the dead, we rest on the first day of the week because the work of salvation has been accomplished for us This day is a day of grace. See, we receive that which we do not deserve. Worship time reminds us that we don't have to work and strive to gain acceptance from God. Instead, these Sabbath day rests, these worship times, teach us that in Jesus, wholly apart from any human works, we are truly accepted by God. I have a Friday morning Bible class where one of my friends, his name is Chuck. And Chuck is the tax collector in our group. He's the Taney County tax assessor. And we were talking about how God loves the world. And Chuck said, let me tell you something. When I came driving to work today, I thought about how much God loves this world. But then I began to think. Oh man, how he loves me too. And when he did that, he started to cry. He said, I just overwhelmed that God loves me. And there were 11 other guys around the table all went, well, let's stop. Let's move on to another subject here. <laughs> but we all acknowledge that God loves us. Now, the question is, where does that leave us? Well, I say singing, dancing, laughing, playing, eternally celebrating life as a Christ father. We are forgiven. We are set free. We are unshackled. Our guilt has been removed. Our sentence pardoned. We've been raised to a new life. We are seated with Jesus in heaven. Therefore, I I want to suggest to you tonight that you just kind of leave this place and celebrate. Do whatever it takes to celebrate. After all, Jesus lives. We're set free. That's what worship and Sabbath is all about. That is as much as I know. God bless you all. Now it's up to you, Freddie, to sort this out and straighten it out and move on. But it has been so good to be with you guys again tonight. Uh, Continue to worship and celebrate and find times to rest and relax.